welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The great writer and thinker C.S. Lewis often spoke of what he called the inconsolable longing in the heart for we know not what. Now that may seem elusive, maybe a bit confusing, but I suspect most of us know what Lewis was talking about because we've experienced this inconsolable, unnamed longing. Lewis used the German word Sehnsucht to try and capture the essence of this, long, this longing. German words are kind of fun to say. They've got a certain punch to them. They can be hard to say, but German words, it seems to me, often sound weightier, more substantial than many of our English words. The sound of a good German word has a way of conveying the meaning of the word just in the sound. Sehnsucht. We translate it longing or yearning. But our language actually lacks a single word to capture the full meaning of Sehnsucht. Here's the meaning. It's a sickness caused by a yearning desire. Just a beautiful idea. One we have likely experienced in our lives, even if we can't spit out a definition. A sickness caused by a yearning desire. It's the pain of an unfulfilled longing. It is the ache of an unmet desire. Our daughter Izzy has been in Spain since the early part of October. And last Monday, Julie and Abby and I went to the San Francisco airport to pick her up with hearts that were pulsating with Zainzucht. We've longed for Izzy to return. And at times, that longing has hurt and has been painful. When we got to the airport, we waited with others who were waiting for their family or friends. And the way it was set up, because it's an international flight, you're kind of situated in this long hallway, and these doors open where the passengers who were coming from Spain would exit. And we were standing there waiting with lots of other family and friends who were waiting for their family and friends. And all around us, standing there, you could see and you could feel Zainzucht. A young girl came through the international door and ran to her mom, and they held this long embrace. Zainzucht fulfilled. When Izzy walked through the door, we all experienced the healing of the ache of missing someone we love. Well, the Advent season is a season of Zainzucht waiting for God to arrive and bring healing and goodness and deliverance. The Israelite people waited with longing 
for centuries and even more for God to send his Messiah. Throughout history, in a variety of ways, people with faith and people without faith have waited for God to come and waited for God to bring his deliverance. And today is the day Christians celebrate the fulfillment of this painful longing in the arrival of Jesus Christ. Hope arrives. Hope has come. God's answer to life's agonies is born this day in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. And perhaps more than any other year since you and I have been alive, people all over the world, religious and irreligious, feel an inconsolable longing this Christmas season. The pandemic has swept away normal life as we know it and left fear, death, separation, distance, and loneliness in its place. I would be willing to bet a few shiny nickels. Every now and then, the shepherds we read about in the Christmas story sat around a campfire under a majestic night sky, maybe sipped something, and talked about their desires talked about their inconsolable longings, even if they didn't have those kinds of words. They talked about what they longed for, what they hoped for, what they wanted. Is taking care of these goofy sheep, is that it for us? Is that all we've got? Is that why we're here to chase these kind of not-so-smart animals around this mountainside? Is this all there is to our existence? Luke chapter 2, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. See what's happening there. The angels' announcement about the birth of Jesus awakened the shepherds. They snapped out of it, if you will. The angel's announcement about the birth of Jesus gave language to the shepherds' longings. It spoke to something deep within them, and it stoked their hope. And for any Jewish person living in the first century, the angel's words were familiar. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The town of David, a savior, the Messiah, the Lord. All these words and phrases were lifted straight from the mouth of the prophet Isaiah who wrote about the coming Messiah 700 years earlier. And these shepherds would have grown up hearing about the day when the Messiah would finally come. And now, maybe, possibly, tonight was the night. So they abandoned their sheep and they hustled to Bethlehem, were told to see this thing that has happened. And when they saw the baby lying in a manger, somehow they finally found what they had been looking for, hoping for, waiting for. Their painful longing had finally found its healer. And then the shepherds went back to work. They went back to being shepherds. But work was never the same again. Life was never the same again. They 
We're never the same again. How can a baby born into obscurity 2,020 years ago be the one who satisfies this inconsolable human longing? How's that even possible? Is it even possible? Or is this story simply an elixir we humans have concocted to numb the pain of this rather unsatisfying life? The inconsolable longing in the heart for we know not what. We've all experienced this longing. We've all experienced what C.S. Lewis is trying to capture in this phrase. This inconsolable longing sometimes sneaks up and taps us on our shoulder. But the time, by the time we make the time to turn and have a look, it's gone. This inconsolable longing rises in us at unexpected times, but politely fades away as the busyness of life consumes us. We know this inconsolable longing. I imagine some of you are thinking of a time right now when you have felt this inconsolable longing, this zainzukt. We're both drawn to it and a little bit afraid of it. It soothes and it stings. It comforts us and in a way that's hard to put into words, it grieves us. The inconsolable longing awakens sometimes when we stand in front of nature's indescribable beauty. You've probably been there. This inconsolable longing awakens when we watch a daughter fall into the arms of her mother at the International Depot at the San Francisco airport. This inconsolable longing awakens when we gaze into the eyes of a baby and she smiles back at us. This inconsolable longing awakens when we read a sentence or a paragraph from a writer who knows Zainzukt in their own soul and they know how to string words together to articulate it. The advent of Jesus Christ in the, into this world 2,020 years ago is good news that causes great joy for all who inconsolably long and hope and wait. Jesus is the satisfier of our longing. He is the fulfiller of our hope. He is what we spend lifetimes and fortunes looking for and waiting for. One last thing about this. When the shepherds first heard this good news, just try to get into that for a second. All these centuries have gone by. However much they had hoped for a Messiah, centuries and more had passed without a Messiah. So when the shepherds first heard this good news, it's really hard for me to imagine that they instantaneously understood it all, or that at the snap of a finger, it all suddenly made perfect sense to them. Or that every ounce of their doubt suddenly vanished. I just have a hard time believing that. Since the shepherds were perfectly human and they were real, they were authentic, I can't imagine everything suddenly, instantaneously 
made sense and fit neatly in their minds and in their hearts. I doubt they suddenly and instantly believed without ever doubting or wondering again. But what they did do is they hustled to Bethlehem to check it out. The angel awakened their imagination. The angel awakened their longing. And this compelled the shepherds to head to Bethlehem to see for themselves, as the Bible says. And hustling to Bethlehem to see for ourselves remains a wonderful response to the coming of Jesus Christ. The rigid categories of believe over here or don't believe over here hardly describe the way faith works for most of us. Those who profess to believe sometimes live as though they don't believe. And those who profess to not believe sometimes live as though they do believe. So the whole thing is more encompassing than the rigid categories of believe or don't believe. Faith is certainly not a fixed position only involving our thoughts about God or our thoughts about Jesus. Faith is certainly not a mental exercise of merely acknowledging, yes, Jesus came, or not acknowledging, no, Jesus didn't come. Faith is far more encompassing than these categories. When the shepherds hustled to Bethlehem and saw this sight for themselves, it started changing them. It changed how they lived tomorrow changed how they shepherded the rest of their lives. Something in them that was as real as the bleeding sheep they corralled every night was different because they laid their eyes on God in the flesh. I like how the poet and novelist Mary Carr puts it. She writes and says it this way, faith is a choice like any other. If you're picking a career or a husband or deciding whether to have a baby, there are feelings and reasons pro and con out the wazoo. But thinking it through is, at the final hour, horse dookie. You can only try it out. Well, Jesus came to reveal God to us and show us the way to real life and actually satisfy our inconsolable longing. And if something in us awakens at the possibility of this, or even wonders, however slightly, could this be true? Is it even possible that this baby we tip a hat to once a year could possibly be the one who satisfies our inconsolable longings? If there's even anything in us, however slight it might be, that wonders, could this be true? In the wonderful language of James Smith, if something in us is, and here I quote, spooked by the longings this articulates, naming something that wells up in us from some subterranean cavern in our consciousness, and we feel stupid that we're crying, but we can't stop. And we want to just blame it on the bourbon and the loneliness. And yet there is the oddest taste of some distant joy calling to us in those tears, and we're not sure what to do with any of this, end quote, I would suggest that maybe it's time to check out this thing that happened 2,020 years ago 
Jesus is who we are looking for. He satisfies the inconsolable longing. He heals the zainzoot in our soul. And he is what Christmas is all about. He is good news that causes great joy. His name is Jesus, God with us. And we can know him. Everything changes in the light of his coming. I mentioned earlier a few things that awaken the inconsolable longing in us. Nature awakens it. A baby looking back at us and smiling awakens it. Music is one of the things that awakens it. The word hallelujah is a Hebrew word that means praise the Lord. Long time ago, back in the 80s, eons ago for some of you, ancient history for some of you, a song was written simply called Hallelujah. You've probably heard it. It beautifully captures Zainzut, human longing. It is not a distinctly religious song. It's far more messier than that. It's much more nuanced than a religious song, which is what I love about it. It both praises the Lord, like the word says, and through the lyrics and haunting melody and haunting harmony, it expresses the inconsolable longing within us, the zainzut, the longing for peace, the longing for healing the longing for redemption, the longing for God in the midst of a broken world, a broken hallelujah, as the song says. And at the end of this bizarre year of 2020, and on this holy night where we celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus, I cannot think of a better way to express the beauty and the pain and the inconsolable longing within us than by saying and singing that beautiful word, hallelujah. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we offer up glory and honor and praise to you in this moment. We may not even comprehend what any of that means, none of us comprehends what all that means. Oh, we thank you for this timeless story that reverberates throughout history and has captivated billions because it speaks to something deep within that is restless. Until it finds rest in you. We thank you, and we pray in your name. Amen.